Of course, we are continuing the series through the book of Exodus, and we have come to that portion called the Decalogue or the Ten Commandments. This is the first sharing of the Ten Commandments. Actually, on three different occasions, the Ten Commandments were shared either with Moses or with the people of God. This is the oral rendition of the Ten Commandments. Later on, they're written in stone. And then when that stone is broken in a fit of anger, then uh, Moses is called back up on Mount Sinai. And there is that third uh, uh, representation of the Ten Commandments. And now God is speaking to His people, and He's sharing with them these basic principles, which are so very, very important for every one of us. Someone has said that... Uh, that the commandments of God are like the grain of the universe, and you can go against the grain if you desire, but if you do, you're going to get splinters. I like what Addison Leach said about the Ten Commandments. He said, they're like the ingredients on the package of life, and you're free to mix them up your way if you desire. But if you mix them up your way rather than God's way, what you get will not be what God pictures on the package. This morning, I want to share with you about the forgotten key for reaching life's greatest potential, and that is the Sabbath. That's the title for the message this morning, the Sabbath. A forgotten key for reaching life's greatest potential. In just a few moments, we're going to stand together. We're going to begin reading with the eighth verse from the 20th chapter of the book of Exodus. Have you ever noticed that people who excel in certain areas of life, whether in a, an athletic endeavor, some sport, whether it's a football or basketball or golf or tennis or, or any uh, kind of event, sporting event, they seem to know some things about their particular uh, athletic endeavor that no one else seems to know. As a matter of fact, many of them, after they pass their prime uh, out on the playing field, become coaches. And, and the reason for this is that they seem to know keys that are going to help these players succeed. And you find... Uh, uh, golfers, for instance, they'll go along and they'll just shoot the same score over and over and over again, and then uh, they'll meet with a pro. Now, this doesn't happen to uh, folks like me. I meet with a pro and it undoes everything that I don't know how to do anyway. But um, they'll usually say something like this, you know, I've been watching you and I've been watching how you swing that club. Well, let me tell you, you're, there, there's an element of your game that is missing. If I could just show you this one thing, it will take several strokes off your score. Or a coach out on the football field will watch a player and he'll be blocking and blocking and blocking and about half the time he succeeds and about half the time he fails and finally the coach walks over and says to him, you know, there's just a, there's just a basic element of your game that, that no one apparently has ever explained to you. And if you would change this, you'd discover that, that more often than not you'd get the edge on your opponent out on the basketball court. You find a guy who just, you know, his, his free throw record is terrible. I mean, his percentages are awful. And then someone comes along who's really great at shooting free throws and says, you know, I know a secret here. If you just follow this, you're, you're looking at the wrong thing. You're, you're holding your hands the wrong way. And if you'll just do this, you'll discover that you can increase your percentages remarkably when it comes to shooting free throws. I've noticed that this happens in the business world. I remember talking to a man who's a tremendous success in insurance. As a matter of fact, he has uh, traveled, still does, travels the country and, and shares in seminars just a testimony about how well he has succeeded in the insurance business. And one day I asked him, I, I said, what is the secret of your success? He said, well, it's something that a, that a man told me years ago. He said, it'll work in any area of life. I said, well, well, tell me. He said, well, you probably wouldn't listen. Well, now he really had my interest. 
I said, well, tell me, what is the secret of your success? He said, well, most people will never do it, even though they've heard it. I said, look, just tell me what it is. He said, oh, he said, you wouldn't understand. I said, look, would you try me? Just tell me, what, what is the secret to your success? And he said, did you know that almost anybody can do this and they would succeed? I said, would you tell me what this is? I mean, I, I could tell he was really baiting me, you know. He's wanting me to ask. He said, well, the secret to my success is very simple. It's just a simple thing. I said, tell me this simple thing that you do. He said, well, it's this. He said, when I get to the end of the day and I've made my very last call, I always make two more. And he said, upon that principle, I have built my business. Just a little key. But for him, it was the key to success. Now, this morning, I want to share with you what I believe is a forgotten key for reaching life's greatest potential. A forgotten key for reaching life's greatest principle. And you already know that prior to that, there is this phrase, the Sabbath, because we're speaking about that commandment that says, remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy. So this morning we're going to look at the Sabbath. And I know that most people who are hearing me, whether on the radio or on television, and all of us who are here in this auditorium, most of us, you know, we have some idea of what it means to remember the Sabbath to keep it holy. But I think you would agree with me that over a period of time, things have changed in our nation and things have probably changed in your life and in my life in terms of our regard and our understanding of the Sabbath. Why did God give us that anyway? I mean, it's easiest for us to understand commandments like thou shalt not kill or thou shalt not steal or thou shalt not bear false witness or commit adultery or covet. Uh, it's easy for us to understand why God would put those there are commandments that have to do with our relationship with God. Have no other gods before me. Don't make any graven images unto me. But why would God, in the middle of this uh, Decalogue, these Ten Commandments, why would one-tenth of these commandments be focused upon the issue of a particular day? Remember the Sabbath day that you might keep it holy. God must know something about us that we do not know about ourselves. The Sabbath, as you well understand, has fallen into misunderstanding and uh, into disrespect. There are some people, as a matter of fact, I'm sort of revealing my own generation, there are some of us who can remember when, when if you were to drive down the streets of your town on Sunday, for instance, while most of the stores were closed. As a matter of fact, when we were living in, in Zimbabwe, well, in those countries which were former British colonies, Zimbabwe and, and South Africa, uh, and to some extent even today, all the stores were closed from Saturday at noon until Monday morning. And as a matter of fact, in our particular town, you had to pay a fine if you bought gasoline on Sunday. Well, many of you can remember that. Many of you can remember when, when there was nothing going on on Sunday except just church, you know, and all the other stores were closed. But something's happened in our nation. And something's happened around the world. And for some reason, we don't seem to have much compunction about remembering the Sabbath to keep it holy. Well, I realize I'm preaching to the choir this morning. You folks are here in church on Sunday morning. But even those of us who are gathered in this auditorium may have a misunderstanding of this. And let me just tell you something. Properly understanding this is a key to achieving your life's greatest potential. You will never be the Christian you ought to be. You'll never be the person you ought to be 
until you understand and apply the principles of this command. Now, you, you'd say, uh, Brother Tom, if you came to me and said, I'll never be the kind of person I ought to be unless I learn not to murder, I'd tell you, I know that. Or unless I learn not to steal, I'd say, well, I know that. If you came to me and said, I'll never be the husband and father I should be, if, if I don't learn the principle, don't commit adultery. I understand that. I'll never be the kind of person of integrity if I don't remember the commandment, don't uh, bear false witness. Well, I'll understand that. But you see, when I stand before you and say, you'll never be what you ought to be until you remember the commandment, keep the Sabbath holy, we have a different feeling about that, don't we? Somehow most of us have not grasped what the Word of God, what God in His Word means with this commandment. And that's why I want to tell you that it's the forgotten key to reaching life's greatest potential. So let's stand together and let's no, make note of the fact that it is, as a matter of fact, in the Ten Commandments. And let's read aloud all of verse 8, all of verse 9, and the first part of verse 10. You'll see these words up on the screen. And so follow along with me, if you will, please. And let's read these words aloud together, shall we? Remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy. Six days shall you labor and do all your work, but the seventh day is the Sabbath of the Lord your God. In it you shall not do any work. Father, I pray trusting that uh, as your word is open to us this morning, that you would bring by your Holy Spirit deep conviction to our lives. Father, stir us up challenge us this morning with your word. And Father, I pray this morning you would just draw into your circle of those who serve you with pure hearts and those who live lives at their maximum. Lord, I pray you would draw into this circle new people, whether they're listening on the radio or watching on television or in this auditorium. Lord, individuals who perhaps have allowed the Sabbath to fall into disregard, to disrespect, to misunderstanding. But Lord, draw them into that circle this morning. And Father, I pray that as we leave this morning, we would leave different people than we are just now and that we would understand and apply the Sabbath day principles. And I pray these things in the wonderful and matchless and saving name of Jesus Lord and Master of our lives. Amen. Thank you. Be seated, please. Do keep your Bible open now to Exodus chapter 20. We're going to look at all of these verses here that relate to this commandment. Remember the Sabbath day that you might keep it holy. Now, here's what I want you to understand. First of all, the Sabbath is a command you must embrace with all your heart. The Sabbath command is one that you must embrace with all your heart. As I said a few moments ago, if I came to you and said, look, I want you to make sure that you make up your mind that, that it's not right to bear false witness, and I want you to wrap your heart around that, you'd probably have no problem saying, you know, I want to be a man or a woman of integrity. If I came to you this morning and said, look, can you just reach out and grab this principle? Don't kill. Don't murder. I don't think you'd have a problem with letting your heart stretch around that particular command. Don't covet. Don't bear false witness. You'd have no problem with that. But you see, in these Ten Commandments, there is this one. Remember the Sabbath day that you might keep it holy. And so it is a command 
you must embrace with your heart. It won't do you any good this morning whatsoever just to listen to what I'm saying, to be instructed by the Word unless you intend to do something about it because God will hold you accountable for what you've heard. And the Bible says if a man knows what is right and does it not, to him it is sin. So you're going to hear what is right and you will in all likelihood be required by the Lord, not by this preacher, but by the Lord and the conviction of the Holy Spirit to make some adjustments in your life. My wife and I have already talked about this. As a matter of fact, in the midst of studying this, I said, you know something? We're going to have to make some adjustments. There's some, there's some thinking here that, that we have strayed away from. And isn't it interesting that the Sabbath command is, is sort of like tithing to a lot of people? You know, they say, oh, you know, I'm loving it until the preacher starts talking about tithing because then he's talking about my resources, my money. Well, you see, the Sabbath affects people like that because it affects your resources, your time, which is also a resource. By the way, money is a renewable resource. Your time is a non-renewable resource. And we tithe. Why do we tithe? We tithe so that it might be obvious that Jesus is Lord of our material resources and we remember the Sabbath so that it might be obvious that he's Lord of our non-renewable resource of time, as he's Lord of that as well. Remember the Sabbath that you might keep it holy. Look at some of the words, and you just might want to circle these in your Bible. The word remember in the Hebrew language is an interesting word. It means let it loom up before you like a giant mountain. In other words, it's not a matter of saying, let it dawn on you or let it occur to you or from time to time reflect on the fact that the Sabbath is to be kept holy. No, the word that is translated remember here means let it jut up from the horizon of your thoughts like a giant mountain that it grabs your attention no matter uh, what time of the day or night is. You're looking out there, remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy. And by the way, the word Sabbath is an interesting word. It refers to a full stop. These musicians up here in this orchestra, they have these little inscriptions on their score which are called rests. And that means that if they're a good musician, that when they see that, they stop playing. There's no sound that comes from the violin or from the horn or from any of the other instruments. It's a full stop. It is a rest. It is a cessation. It is an intermission. And so the word Sabbath here, sometimes people think the word Sabbath means seventh. No, the word Sabbath is a Hebrew word, a rendering of a Hebrew word, which means a full rest, a 24, by the way, he notes it here, it is the Sabbath day, so he's referring to a 24-hour cessation and intermission here. Now, what is to happen during that 24-hour period? And by the way, oftentimes, as you read the Old Testament, a day that refers to the evening and the morning were the first day. The issue is not evening or morning, I think, so much as it is 24 hours set aside, 24 hours, absolute, full stop, intermission. And notice he says what you're supposed to do with it. He says you're to keep it, and the word there for keep means you are to guard it vigilantly. Isn't that interesting? That you are to guard it and the word for holy there is clean. Keep the slate clean. Don't encumber it with little odds and ends, little work that you put off and plan to do, or, well, since it's this season of the year or since it's this moment, I've got to go do this work. 
So he says, this is a command you must embrace with all your heart. And notice this principle. The Sabbath is to be a significant 24-hour intermission in each week. What do you do during that time? During which all work ceases and our attention is specifically focused on the Lord. And you know what most of us do when we hear this? We say, oh, this is sort of interesting. Must be some old Jewish thing. Now, wait a minute, wait a minute. Is uh, thou shalt have no other gods before me just some old Jewish thing? Or is thou shalt make unto me no graven image? Is that just some old Jewish thing? What about thou shalt not kill? Some old Jewish thing? Thou shalt not bear false witness. Thou shalt not covet. Thou shalt not commit adultery. Is that just an old Jewish thing? No, listen. Jesus didn't come to destroy the law, but to fulfill the law. Now, there's some laws we're going to read about in the book of Exodus that have to do with temple worship and have to do with diet. But this law is, these are permanent principles of God that he has put, as I said earlier, into the grain of the universe. And before you just sit there lackadaisically and say, oh, it's Sabbath day, you know, I don't think that. I'm going to hear some stuff, but I'm not going to change much. Remember, this is one you must embrace with all your heart. Otherwise, you will never be the person God intended you to be because the Sabbath, listen, was made for man, not made man for the Sabbath. God designed the Sabbath with you in mind, with your best, your benefit in mind, and you will never be all that you can be until you embrace it with your heart. Now notice this, secondly, the Lord carefully outlines the terms of this command. He doesn't want there to be any confusion about it. Now, I'll confess to you that uh, in Old Testament days and even in our Lord's time, there was a, the, the, the Hebrew amplification of this and it became just so overburdensome. I mean, uh, I, I, let, let me just tell you this. It is important for us to remember that much of what God shares with us is in terms of principle so that we, under the guidance of the Holy Spirit, can begin to carry it out. Now listen. Beware of anyone who begins to press his interpretation of a principle, that is the way that he would carry it out or that she would carry it out. Beware of a person who makes that interpretation as to how they would carry it out into the law as equal as this principle. You follow what I'm saying? So God gives us these guidelines. God is giving us these guidelines. And he says, now look, by the Holy Spirit, as I begin to move in your heart, I'm going to draw you some parameters, and then I want you to operate within those parameters. And so he's giving us parameters here so that we might operate within them. Let's look at them, verses 9 and 10. Six days shall you labor. By the way, the word labor here means to work under authority. And do all your work. This means to do everything assigned to you. The word there for work is different than the word for labor. And it means do that which has been handed to you, that which is your assignment. Six days shall you labor, do all your work. But the seventh day is the Sabbath of the Lord your God. In it you shall not do any work, you nor your son nor your daughter, your manservant nor your maidservant, nor your cattle nor the stranger that is within your gates. 
By the way, I think it's very important for us to understand that Sabbath rest or an intermission is not a definition for other leisure activities outside the church. By the way, neither it is, is a terminology which uh, would cause you to be so carelessly involved in some activities that you thoughtfully or thoughtlessly forget God. Some people say, well, you know, I work hard all day long. Sunday's the only day for my recreation. After all, I'm remembering the Sabbath. No, recreation. We're going to see here in just a few moments. You see, this mindless kind of involvement in something which is not in any way related to God is not what he's talking about here. This is to be a time, as we've already seen, when your attention, when your focus is to be upon the Lord your God. And so the Lord carefully outlines his command. Now, in the Jewish tradition... They observed their Sabbath, and still do, on the seventh day of the week because of the example of the Lord in the creation of the earth. And you see it here. He created the earth in six days, then rested on the seventh. Believers in Christ in the New Testament, we find worshiping on the, observing the Sabbath and worshiping on the first day of the week because that was their tradition in honor of the resurrection of the Lord Jesus. That's when he was resurrected. The issue is not so much when, but that you do. Give one day out of every seven over to God. And say, Lord God, this is a day when I stop from all these other things which crowd in on my life and I am focusing my attention upon you during this day. I am giving this day to you. See, when you give your tithe, what you're saying, the tithe is the first off the top set aside 10%. Your tithe says, I can trust the Lord to help me to be a good steward of all that remains. And sure enough, God gets involved in all that remains. And I could have individual after individual stand here this morning and say, I can't believe how the 90% goes farther than the 100%. But it does because God blesses it. You have acknowledged him first with it. But the Sabbath observance is your way of saying, and Jesus, you are Lord of my time as well. Not just the stuff I have, but the time that I have been given in this life. And so, Lord, I want to acknowledge your lordship in regard to that as well. Someone asked the question, well, what about uh, coming to church and teaching Sunday school? Or what about you, preacher? And what about uh, as we worship together this morning and then as we come back in the close of the day this evening and worship the Lord again? The Lord speaks to that in the Scripture. Very clearly. As a matter of fact, in uh, Matthew's Gospel, chapter uh, 12, he speaks about how the fact that, the, that, that people teach in the temple, but that is, they're not held accountable. They're held blameless during that time because their focus is upon the Lord. In Mark's Gospel, chapter 2, he says, Remember that the Sabbath is made for man, not man for the Sabbath. And he said, I am the Lord of the Sabbath. And so the whole issue of the, of the Sabbath is this. I set aside this 24-hour period. It is God's, and my attention is to be focused upon Him. By the way, I'm also responsible for those under my authority. I know many people who religiously observe Sunday, but they just don't see that those under their authority do. I think it's very interesting in our society, and I'm going to speak to an issue here that, 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 that really may bring some distress to someone. You may come up to me after the service and say, Brother Tom, I don't, I don't like that. I didn't like to hear that. But let me tell you what's happened in our society. 
mom and dad. We have moms and dads. And you come to church and you observe the Lord's Day and you say, this is the Lord's Day. And you're in Sunday school and, and you're in worship. And as your children grow older, maybe one of your children comes to you and says, look, I'm in school, but uh, I want to have a car or I want to have a, a CD player or something like that. And the only way that I can have some of these things that I want is to go to work. And then uh, they come to you and they say to you, and mom and dad, here's the deal. Uh, I've gotten a job. It's a weekend job, but I'm going to have to work on Sundays. And sometimes moms and dads forget what this is all about. And they're so overjoyed that Junior is finally showing a little initiative in going to work on Sundays that they allow him to do something that they wouldn't do himself uh, themselves, and all of a sudden they become mystified as to why he is not growing spiritually, why he's not developing spiritually. When the truth of the matter is, what they've said is, uh, we're going to remember the Sabbath to keep it holy, but Junior, if, if it's going to let you have a car or a CD or something like that, it's okay for you to ignore the Sabbath. Let me tell you something. It's not okay for anybody to ignore the Sabbath. It's not okay for any of us to just work and work and work and work and in school and out of school and go to work and not set aside time for God. See, God is not something that's to be fit into a little segment of our life. Jesus is Lord of our lives. And he says, the Sabbath day, this is the day that I want you to worship me. You see how strangely quiet it is in this auditorium? Normally, if I was preaching on soul winning, you'd say, hey, man, praise God, preach it, brother. Boy, you know what's happened is I've hit a sensitive nerve, right? This is why I said to Jeannie, we're going to have to think this through in terms of some, some, some things we've strayed away from in our own lives. Why is God giving this to us? Because he's, because he's mean and he wants to be down your throat and he's aggravated with you and he wants to make your life miserable and keep you confined for a day? No, it is for your benefit. It's for your good. You will never be all that you want to be. You'll never be all that you could be unless you remember the Sabbath to keep it holy. Now, if you can, the Bible is wrong. So here's the principle. Just write it down someplace. God provides six days in each week for the fulfillment of all earthly responsibilities. Okay? And then he provides the Sabbath as a time for physical recovery and spiritual refreshment. We are commanded to abide by this principle and to see that those who are under our authority abide by it as well. Guests in our home ought to have that privilege. Employees in your company ought to have that privilege. Your children ought to have that privilege. Your husband, your wife ought to have that privilege. You're to see that those under your authority have that privilege as well. By the way, do you think this is a big deal to God? Well, let me just tell you something. The children of Israel understood enough about the Sabbath that they, they realized that not only that, that it applied to everything physical, even the land. God even had established, and you can read about this over in the book of Leviticus, God even had established a Sabbath for the land. He says, you con along, 
He said, every seventh year, he said, I want you to set this time aside. I want you to have a Sabbath for the land. And then he said, on year 50, I want you to have the big Sabbath. This is called the year of Jubilee. He even explains all about that Sabbath. And listen to, the, listen to what he said. He said, if you don't observe that, if you don't observe the Sabbath in your life, if you don't observe the Sabbath even for the land, there's a time, he says, when the land is, you just don't even plant anything on it. Let the land rest. He said, if you don't observe that, he said, I'm going to see to it that you are taken away into captivity and you'll be spread over all the earth and your land will then get the rest that it has to have. And you know what happened? The children of Israel ignored that, and it wasn't long before the Babylonians came along, and they captured them, and they spread them over all the earth, and the Bible says, and then the land had its Sabbath. God's serious about this. Every once in a while, somebody comes along to me and says, well, now I'm a New Testament Christian. You know, all that Old Testament stuff I don't go with. So you don't go with thou shalt not kill, thou shalt not steal, thou shalt not commit adultery, thou shalt not covet, thou shalt not bear false witness. Well, all of that. Well, why not this one commandment of those? Remember the Sabbath. That 24-hour intermission in which your focus of attention is to be upon the Lord, you are to receive physical recovery, spiritual refreshment. I love it to begin a day, the Lord's Day we call it, on with a service like this and to end the Lord's Day with a service like we'll have this evening and we have every Sunday evening. Set aside, focused upon the Lord to keep it holy. Now let me just say one other thing this morning and that is that there are significant benefits that you will never experience apart from keeping the Sabbath. There are significant benefits you will never experience. You're, going to, you're the loser. You are the loser. When those children of Israel were out there in bondage and captivity, wishing that they were back in Israel but not able to get back there, and the land was having its Sabbath, who was the loser? Children of Israel were the loser. Who will be the loser if you don't observe the Sabbath? You're the loser. Because you see, there are significant benefits which you will never experience apart from keeping the Sabbath. Let's see what the Scripture says. Verse 11, In six days the Lord made heaven and earth, the sea, and all that in them is. He rested the seventh day, wherefore the Lord blessed the Sabbath day and hallowed it. What are some things that will happen in your life if you go home, sit around the table with your family today and say, you know something, let's just, you know, we're not going to go berserk here. Let's just have a talk about this and about our lives and about our lifestyle and about what God is saying to us in terms of remembering the Sabbath to keep it holy. Let's talk about this. What's going to happen in your life? Well, let me just mention several things. First of all, there's going to well up within your heart a, a joy that comes from knowing that you're following the Lord's example. You know, it's, it's, it's a wonderful feeling to know that you're doing something right, isn't it? And so there will come in your life, there will come in your heart this confidence, hey, 
God has said that I'm to remember the Sabbath, to keep it holy, and I am doing what the Lord my God has commanded me to do. That's what I'm doing. You know, uh, I don't know about you, but when I was uh, growing up, and even to this day to, uh, to a large extent, um, I, I found incredible joy in my life when I stopped fighting against my parents' will and learned that life was wonderful if I just obeyed. And I discovered that the more I obeyed, the more they let the string out. The more I sought to please them, the more privileges they gave, they handed away. You know, I thought initially, you know, you've got to rebel and fight for these rights, and, and if you don't tear them out of, uh, tear yourself away from your parents, you know, your life's going to be miserable. They'll be running your life. I discovered that in some sense, now listen, the quickest way to have the privilege of making decisions on your own was to just be responsible and to go ahead and seek to accommodate their desires. And the more I did that, the more I obeyed, so to speak, the easier life got for me. And I could go to bed at night with a clear conscience. Now, I didn't have a halo, and you know that. You've heard about my growing up, so I don't need to go into that. It's not like I was just Mr. Wonderful, and you knew that too. It's just that one day, like that, it occurred to me, life's just a lot easier if I play by the rules. And sure enough, life got easier. And when God gives you these commands, in this one in particular, remember the Sabbath to keep it holy, and you say, I'm going to do that. Listen, something wonderful is going to happen in your life. You have the joy, the exuberance in your heart of knowing God said, set this day aside, worship Him. I'm doing that. This is great. So you're following his example. By the way, the Bible says that God created the earth in six days, rested on the seventh. If you can't do that, that must mean you've got more to do than God. I don't think so. By the way, notice also that the Lord blessed the Sabbath day. A blessing is a sovereign act of God by which he causes something or someone to supernaturally produce more than is naturally possible. Let me say it again. A blessing is a sovereign act of God by which he causes something or someone to supernaturally produce more than is naturally possible. Let me just tell you that if you'll take time to be physically refreshed, spiritually focused on the Sabbath day, God will do things for you in your life physically and spiritually that he will not do at any other time. It will be blessed. Those hours will be blessed. Those minutes will be blessed. Those activities will be a blessing to your soul. And you can go on in the strength of that blessing. He blessed the Sabbath day. That's a blessed day. And if you remove yourself from the blessed day, you remove yourself from the blessings of God. And it'll be a time when you'll focus, up, refocus, see, focus upon God. I am convinced that a great deal of the oppression and the depression and the 
what we call the dysfunctional family these days. All these things that, that work on the minds of people these days could be eliminated if you took at least one day in your life and quit being self-absorbed and moved yourself into a position where the devil couldn't attack you and focused upon the Lord who he is and what you are in him. But if you just go on, I've just got problems, you just go, I've just, this is awful and it just can't, has no solution and I don't know how I'm going to get help and you go in week in and week out and never back up and think about how big God is, how good God is. He's a God of grace, he's a God of mercy, he's a God of power and your problem is penis to him if you'll just surrender to him. All of a sudden you see that on the Sabbath. And so you refocus your attention on God and you're doing what he said and you're living out blessed hours. Well, let me ask you to turn to passive scripture in closing this morning. Isaiah 58. I love Isaiah 58. One of the chapters in my book, A Passion for Prayer, is an explanation of Isaiah 58 as it relates to fasting and prayer. Because the bulk of this chapter, the early verses of this chapter, deal with fasting. What is a proper fast? What is an improper fast? Why do you fast? And there are 16 promises that God makes to people who fast and pray. But notice how in the midst of this chapter on fasting, we suddenly read something about the Sabbath. He says, let me tell you how to really get blessed. Verse 13. He said, if you turn away your foot from the Sabbath, that is uh, from doing your pleasure on my holy day. I hear this so often. Well, that's the only day I've got. What you're saying is I'm going to do my pleasure on my day. It's my day. But he says, if you turn away your foot from the Sabbath, that is from doing your pleasure on, your holy, on, on my holy day. If you'll call the Sabbath a delight, in other words, rather than saying, oh, no, it's Sunday, I got to go. No, if you call the Sabbath a delight and the holy of the Lord honorable, okay, God, I'm going to up there and sing those in. No, you call the holy of the Lord honorable and shall honor him. Listen to this, not doing your own ways nor finding your own pleasure. Oh, great, it's Sunday. What can I get into today? Not doing your own pleasure, nor speaking your own words. That is, instead of speaking the words of the Lord, what's going to happen? Then shall you delight yourself in the Lord. And he says, here's what I'm going to do for you. I'm going to cause you to ride upon the high places of the earth. And the word for high places here is the word for waves or mountaintops. In other words, he says, you're not going to find yourself constantly in the valley, constantly down. He said, I'm going to cause you to ride on the high places of the earth. I'll feed you with the heritage of Jacob, your father. And that promise of that heritage of Jacob has to do with multiplying and has to do with ministry and has to do with effectiveness in life. He said, life is going to be incredible for you. These are promises I have for you. He said, if you'll just turn aside your foot on the Lord's day from doing your own pleasure, from saying, look, I'm disgusted with this. What do I got to do because it's Sunday? 
not doing your own ways, nor finding your own pleasure, nor speaking your own words. He said it's going to be like a mountain. You're going to go from mountaintop to mountaintop. No problems. He's not saying that. But he's saying, I will cause you to be carried along upon the high places of the earth, and I'll feed you with the heritage. All those promises I made you to Jacob, your father, all of those will come true in your life. For the mouth of the Lord, he says, has spoken it. In other words, he's saying, don't you realize I've already said this? It is in my word. And so the Lord says, remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy. Father, I pray, trusting, believing in this moment right now that your Holy Spirit will bring conviction to our hearts. Lord, it may be that some need simply to come to this altar and say, Lord, I've not honored you on the Sabbath, but I will honor you on the Sabbath. Lord, I pray that uh, those here and those listening and those watching will understand that this preacher has not attempted to speak out of his own heart, that what I've shared is your word, and that if there is an argument, it's not with me, it's with your word. I'm just the delivery boy, like a paper boy. I just chunk it up on the porch. Lord, if our hearts would just come out and read what you have said and would let your Holy Spirit convict us, then you would empower us to be so much more than what we are. And so, Lord, however it is that you want us to move this into our lives, you're sharing with us the principles. You've shared with us enough of the details that we can begin to apply it, but not so many of the details that it becomes some kind of rigorous, unbending law that if somebody doesn't do it my way and my way is not the way somebody else's way is, that we all walk around feeling guilty. Lord, help us not to interpret this for others, but to let you interpret it to our lives. And then, Lord, I pray that this morning there'd be people who join this church. I pray that there'd be people who would say, look, I want to be a part of a church that honors the Lord in this fashion. And, Lord, I pray that there would be many this morning whose hearts would be turned to you through the reading of your word, the law, and realize that without trusting in you, Lord Jesus, without repenting of sin and turning to you, there is no salvation. But in doing that this morning, that is, in believing in you, they may find forgiveness of sin, cleansing, and eternal and abundant life. And so, Lord, I pray for many who would make that decision this morning. And I pray it in Jesus' name. Our heads are bowed. Our eyes are closed. I'm going to ask no one to move around, no one looking around in these next few moments. Your invitation to respond to what God has said to you. That's what this moment is. We're going to stand in a few moments. The choir is going to begin singing. I'm going to be leading us in a brief prayer. When I say amen, the choir is going to start singing. The moment I say amen, I want to encourage you to step out of the aisle, make your way forward. This is your way of saying yes to what God's speaking to your heart. It could be that God's been dealing with you on the issue of the Sabbath, and all of a sudden you realize, you know something? I'll never be all that I can be. I'll never be all that God said, promise, have all that God promises to me unless I remember the Sabbath. It's made for me to keep it holy, to guard it, to clean it off so that it can be kept in the Lord. I want to do that. And, and, and I'm not going to see that as an intrusion of the Lord in my life. I'm going to see the Lord as saying to me, look, this is the way you will reach your greatest potential. It's not an intrusion. It's a loving advice from the Lord as well as a command. And I must obey it. And so you may need to simply come to this altar and pray and say, Lord, in my heart, I want you to give me the grace to do it and show me how to do it in my life, to live it out in my life. I believe that there are those here to whom the Lord is speaking this morning about becoming a part of this church family. Would you do that? The moment we stand and I lead us in prayer and the choir begins singing, would you just determine when you stand, I'm going to make my way forward. 
find a counselor here at the front and say, look, I'm coming to join the church or we're coming to become a part of this church as a family, as an individual. I want to be a part of this church family. Would it be something you hear maybe for the very first time today, but God's Spirit is so mightily present here that you say there's no sense in going through some kind of church buffet. I know what the Lord's leading us to do. Just plant your life here in this church. Would you do that this morning? If we've not introduced you as a new member of our church, maybe you joined in one of our other services, well, then I want to encourage you to come. Be seated over here to your right where it says seating for new members. Maybe you joined last week and we introduced you in the morning service and we didn't introduce you. Will you come and be seated over here seating for new members? And we'll introduce you at the close of the service. I believe there are those here this morning to whom the Lord is speaking about your eternal salvation. And there's no way that you're going to go to heaven. In your heart, God has convicted you. Look, you're a sinner and the wages of sin is death. And God's done that because he loves you. He doesn't want you to go to hell. He doesn't want you to be separated from God forever. And so he sent his son Jesus to die on the cross. And Jesus died on the cross paying the wages of sin, which is death. He died for you, dear friend. And God raised him up on the third day so that you have a living Savior. And Jesus says that if you will repent of sin and trust in him, he will give you eternal life. And this morning, that's what you want to do. There's no reason you shouldn't. Nothing holding you back except maybe a little fear in your heart. And I'm going to pray that God will overcome that fear and give you decisiveness so that when you stand and we begin singing, you'll just step to the aisle, come tell one of these counselors, look, I'm trusting Jesus this morning. I'm trusting Jesus this morning. And that's your decision to receive him by faith as your Savior and as the Lord of your life. Would you do that today? Well, there's no reason not to. The Bible says if a man knows what is right and does it not, to him it is sin. So you know what's right to do. Would you just make up your mind? I'm going to trust in Jesus today. The Ron Dunn Podcast is available only for personal edification, not to be duplicated, uploaded to the web, or resold without prior written consent. It is managed and operated by Sherwood Baptist Church. If you would like to listen to additional Ron Dunn messages, visit sherwoodbaptist.net slash bookstore and search Ron Dunn. For more Ron Dunn materials, including sermon outlines, devotions, and scanned pages from his study Bible, please visit rondunn.com.